welcome to the Stars Turn Cosmos and Cards. I'm your host, Jay. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Welcome back to the show. I know it's been a while since the last episode, but I was away on holiday, and I'm going to be honest, I just had a really hard time getting back into the groove. I was in the West Coast. I live in the East Coast. I don't care what anybody says. It takes a long time to adjust. I still enjoy going to bed at midnight and waking up at like 930. Maybe I'm meant to live on the West Coast. My heart would probably tell you that. I've been an East Coast girl and an East side of town girl for like my whole life. And now I'm like, man, I really like that West Coast living. Pacific Northwest, to be specific, but that's enough about me and my vacation. I hope all of you have been doing wonderfully and enjoying Virgo season, getting things organized and streamlined and getting your schedules in place and getting back into a routine and the rhythms that, you know, you want to bring forward with you. And yeah, hope Virgo season's been treating you well. I apologize if I'm a little rusty in this episode. It has been since the last episode uh, that I've recorded, because of course my other podcast, Sam Fine TV, is on hiatus. So, anywho, I'm here to talk about Libra season, the new moon in Libra that's coming up, and Mercury retrograde Kazemi that's also happening in Libra. So, lots of Libra energy coming at you. So Libra season in 2022 is taking place from September 22nd until October 23rd. And Libra season also marks the fall equinox as well as Mabin if you follow the wheel of the year. And the fall equinox um, as well as the spring equinox both represent a balance between day and night. So anytime we hit the equinox point, the the days are just as long as the nights. And I think a lot of times when we talk about the equinoxes, because the luminaries in the sky are bringing about a kind of balance up there, we talk a lot about the invitations to find better balance within our lives on earth. And I feel like that's great and all, but like what is balance anyway? And is that actually really achievable? I think there are small ways that we can find balance in our lives, but I think like to live a perfectly balanced life is so difficult. And I think instead of being like, oh, we have to do everything in moderation and balance this and balance that, I mean, sure, strive for it. But like, what about also just striving to reduce extremes or reduce or maybe not reduce, but like increase where there's not enough, reduce where there's too much. And maybe that is what finding balance is. I just when I sat down to kind of write what I wanted to talk to you guys about The idea of living in this perfect balance and harmony while very Libran and very Venusian in archetype doesn't feel as possible, at least I don't think. But I think that we can take smaller steps towards, again, reducing extremes. So like 
maybe there's been too much of a certain thing in our lives and we're ready to cut away at that a little bit and make space for other things to come in. And maybe that in itself does bring a better balance, but I almost, maybe it's the Virgo energy because it's still Virgo season as I record this. And maybe the Virgo energy is like overwhelming me with this idea that, oh my God, well, if we're in balance, then we have to be perfect. And perfect is not everything. Perfect is not possible in my opinion. And I also think as much as, you know, the fall equinox in particular is about maybe striving for that balance, I think it's also kind of a gentle nudge towards starting to slow down in certain areas because in the Northern Hemisphere, of course, we are heading into the darkest part. Like if we were to, the darkest part of the year, I should say, if we were to match this up to the moon cycles, we've hit the last quarter phase. So we're really going into that period, like right before the new moon that we will hit at uh, Yule and the winter solstice in December. So this is a real like waning, quieting down, darkening part of the year for us in the Northern Hemisphere. Southern Hemisphere, folks, I know it's a little bit different. If you are listening, I'm sorry that I'm not really taking that into account, but the zodiac in this way was built in this hemisphere, and that's just the way that I've learned it. So that's the way I'm going to talk about it on this podcast, but apologies. So yeah, so the the last quarter moon, it's kind of a final turning point. It's the final push before, you know, things wrap up and come to an end and, you know, full darkness as the moon takes on no light from the sun. So this is a great time to reflect on what life has brought us since the summer solstice. So since we started cancer season, what experiences have we had in the last three months? And it's also a time when we can consider any intentions that we have for the months leading up to the winter solstice. So you'll probably see a pattern here, right? Like we have winter solstice, spring equinox, summer solstice, summer solstice, geez, summer solstice, there we go, and fall equinox. And so they're like these quarter points, right? And each time we get this chance to reflect on where we've been and where we want to go. And as I mentioned, it's also Mabin. So if you follow the Wheel of the Year, this is the second harvest festival. And there are so many people out there with podcasts or with books or whatever that know so much more about this than I do. But what I have learned from, if you know me from the Tarot Coven cast, my good buddy Jekinovia, who like really follows all of this stuff and knows a lot about it. What I have learned from her is that Mabin is a really great time for showing some gratitude to the people that provide us with food. It's a harvest festival. And I think a really great practice at this time would be actually to just like sit down and consider all of the people that work to bring us food on a daily basis. We probably don't know like 95% of them or more. We might know the people that cash us out at the grocery store, the people that stock the shelves, but like, what about the people that transport the food and then grow the food and all that kind of stuff? So doing a little ritual around gratitude for the people that keep us fed, I think is a really nice thing to do. It's also a really great time to cleanse and clear your altar space as it is one of those like, you know, quarter days on the wheel. 
it's um, just a good time to refresh all of the energies and, and bring in the new energy of the fall season or of Libra season. So now to Libra season specifically, Libra is an air sign, right? And we were just in Virgo season, which is an earth season, which is an earth sign. So we're shifting from earth to air. And I think anytime we do that shift, things start to move a little more freely and a little bit quicker. There's a lightness to things because where earth is dense and heavy, air is movable and almost weightless. You know, I know that air can be thick and maybe even dense at some points, but just in element alone and in sort of its archetype, it's light and, well, airy, you know. And in an air season, the energy is more collaborative and interactive. We will find ourselves motivated by curiosity and by what we learn while in conversation with other people. We're kind of coming out of the body where we were during an earth season and into the more mental realm. And all of the cardinal signs represent a new season. So as I just talked about, you know, with the spring equinox, we have Aries. With summer solstice, we have cancer season. With the fall equinox, we have Libra. And with the winter solstice, we have Capricorn. So each of those signs is an initiator. They represent some kind of call back into balance, as we've already talked about. But I do think that Libra, if there was one sign that really spoke to an idea of balance, it would be Libra. And, you know, its its symbol is the scales. And so much of the Libran energy is focused on finding a kind of equilibrium, um, on making sure both sides of an issue are clearly understood and represented. And cardinal signs really want to initiate. And I think that because air or this air sign in general, Libra, is ruled by Venus, Libra initiates connection and collaboration and all sorts of relational dynamics. So yes, Gemini as another air sign and as like the mutable air sign is like really social and really buzzy. Libra, I think, is about initiating more long-term relationships and more, there's something more like socially adept about Libra. Libra is like the the perfect party house or the perfect socialite. It just understands how to move in social circles and initiate relationships that are really meaningful. And so as I just mentioned, Libra is ruled by Venus. And I think it's because of that and because of it being so related to this idea of balance and equilibrium that Libra energy really does seek to bring a kind of harmony to all areas of life. It really wants to honor the desires and needs of anything and everything that's involved in a given situation. And that's really so lovely and wonderful, but it can also be extremely frustrating (laughs) and almost paralyzing because Sometimes things can't be equal for everyone or everything. Sometimes while you're, you know, trying to make a decision on how to create an equal situation for everybody, we all sit in limbo and we all sit in this indecisive place and that's not good for anybody or anything involved. 
But Libra so badly wants this equilibrium that, yeah, it can just kind of hang in the balance and never really move forward. I mean, on a sort of a small scale, you might know somebody with a lot of Libra placements or maybe like a a very prominent Libra sun or Libra rising that finds it very difficult to make decisions. And it's probably because there's some sort of hesitancy around rocking the boat too much. Like Libra wants things to be steady. And this is kind of why Mars doesn't really do well in Libra. Mars wants to just make the decisions and take the action, while Libra is very content to consider all of the angles for like ever, maybe. But this is also part of what makes Libra so passionate about things like social social justice and perfect for representing people who need a bigger voice or why Libra energy has such an eye for aesthetics and beauty. There's something about the Libra energy that understands like ratios and proportions and composition and, you know, the kind of relational dynamic or the relationship between all of the pieces that are in play. Libra season is a really great time for negotiating, for reconciliation. You know, if you've been on the outs with somebody and you've been really feeling called to make amends, this the the energy is in your favor. If you've been going back to negotiations, if you've been like wanting a raise or a different position or you're going out for a job or something, it's a really good time to advocate for yourself in that way because Libran energy because of that Venusian quality, it adds like a little well, it adds a lot of sweetness to communication. So you can kind of, it's not sugarcoating, but it is like adding a lot of nice sweetness to grease the wheels, I suppose, but like greasing the wheels with like sugar, but like liquid sugar, I guess. I don't know. Sweet grease. Does that exist? We're, we're greasing the wheels with sweetness. You get it. Libra season is also a really great time for parties and being social, for collaborating, for redecorating something. And Venus, ruler of Libra, will be at home for almost all of Libra season. Venus will move into the sign about a week after the sun ingresses there. And so that's a really great boost in general, like to have the sun be in a sign that is then ruled by a planet in that same sign makes things, well, we're greasing the wheels even more, basically. And both malefic planets, so Saturn and Mars, will be forming trines, sign-based trine aspects with Libra. So we've got Gemini or Mars over in Gemini and Saturn over in Aquarius. And even though they're malefic planets, um, which means they're challenging and difficult, or they can bring difficulties, when they're in that trine aspect, things are lightened a little bit, or we're able to kind of work with those energies a little bit better. And in previous years, we had like, you know, just last year, for example, in 2021, Mars was actually in Libra during Libra season. And Mars, as I said, does not have a great time in Libra. And so it kind of brought some sticky, icky challenges, a little less grease to the wheels. And Saturn was down in, no, Saturn would have been in Aquarius last year, but a few years ago we had Saturn in Capricorn, which would have been squaring off uh, with the sun every Libra season, making things a lot trickier, a lot more challenging. So this 
Libra season is the first time that we're going to have things be a lot smoother. And what I noticed too when I was making my calendars for Libra season is that there's this really cool dance that's happening between the sun and Venus as they both move through Libra. They're going to be making the same aspects with different planets throughout the sky one after the other. So um, the sun will move through first and then Venus will follow. And I just think that's going to be such an interesting uh, dance to kind of follow. And we can see how the sun will bring one influence and then Venus will come along and bring another thing to the to the mix. It's just, it's going to be a really interesting season for that reason, I think. And Mercury, which is currently uh, sort of at the tail end of its retrograde, will finish up with the retrograde and spend some time in Libra as well during Libra season. And anytime Mercury and the sun are in the same sign, it really kind of adds, well, wherever Mercury goes, it kind of acts as like a megaphone for the planet that it's spending time with. So there's going to be you know, it's just going to help to bring out the Libra season themes and lessons and stories. And I think I'm, I'm really excited. Usually I don't get very excited for fall. Um, even though it has Halloween and my birthday, I'm usually like, can we just have some more summer? But there's something about fall that's really calling to me this season. So I'm looking forward to see how things play out and we will definitely check in with that sun and Venus dance as uh, it goes. Now to chat about a few tarot cards that correspond with Libra, first of all, we've got justice, which corresponds with Libra itself. And justice could be a card about balancing and weighing the options. It's certainly about finding some sort of clarity or understanding so that we can make better decisions moving forward. You know, that's that idea of looking at all the angles, understanding all of the perspectives, taking that all in to make an informed choice and hopefully not becoming uh, indecisive, but allowing it to help us make the choice and move forward. I think justice is also about understanding that actions have consequences, that there's like a much bigger, more complex relationship between cause and effect that we, or, or then we might see on a daily basis, Right where even the smallest actions taken today can have a huge impact tomorrow, which is both terrifying, but also incredibly empowering, right? Because we have so much control. One small step we take today could be life-changing tomorrow. And again, that's kind of terrifying, but also like, okay, we got this, we can do this. And I think one of the biggest invitations from justice when we see it come up is to ask ourselves what does feel out of balance or unequal in our lives and what are we actually doing or how can we change that? And maybe that is about finding the clarity or the understanding so that we can make better decisions. Maybe it is about reducing the extremes and increasing the lack or the areas of lack, things like that. And then there's also the Empress, which corresponds with Venus, Libra's ruler. And for me, the Empress is really all about abundance, comfort, joy, nature, fresh water, full trees, blossoming flowers, creation, fecundity. And its biggest lesson to me, or its biggest invitation, is for us to 
receive these things, to openly receive these things, to deeply receive these gifts, this abundance that the card offers. And I think that's a lot harder than it sounds. I think we all think that we're really great at receiving things and like being cool with like being offered gifts or whatever, but like I don't know. Think about the last time somebody gave you a compliment. Did you just like openly receive it or was there a bit of like pushback of like, oh, I don't know if that's true about me or like maybe this person is only saying that because they think it's the thing that they should say instead of just being like, thank you. And there's a way to do that humbly, of course, and to not be like super egotistical and be like, I know, although you can joke around like that. I know when I was younger, people would give compliments and I would say, I know, thank you. And I remember my mom saying, you should say thank you. I know. (laughs) So maybe we can look at compliments and gifts during Libra season and say, thank you. I know. But also there's nothing wrong with feeling a difficulty towards taking things in super openly because I think it does make us feel vulnerable like we are being seen and sometimes being seen is really, really vulnerable and difficult and too sticky and icky and uncomfortable. And that card can help us really work through those things. And maybe Libra season can help us work through that too. And then of course we have the two, three, and four of swords. A very basic way of looking at those three cards would be pausing to make a decision, unburdening the heart, and then taking a mental rest. And there's so much more that we could say about the two, three, and four of swords, but I think it might be more interesting to take them out as we move through Libra season. So as the sun moves from zero to nine, we can look at the uh, degrees of Libra, I should say. We can look at the two. Then as it moves from 10 to 19 degrees, we can look at the three. And then from 20 to 29, we can look at the four. And probably as we move through Libra season, there will be aspects taking place that will correspond with those cards that I will talk about. For example, the Mercury retrograde Kazemi happening in Libra at zero degrees on, let me get that exact date for you guys, happening on the 23rd. So the day after the sun moves into Libra, Mercury is still moving backwards and it's hitting that zero degrees of Libra just before it goes back into Virgo. And so that would correspond with the Two of Swords, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. First, I want to rewind to explain Kazemi, because I know not everybody will know what that means, but it's kind of a shorthand for Mercury, for for any time a planet conjuncts the sun. So when the sun meets up with any planet at the exact degree, it is known as a Kazemi, which which translates to in the heart of. So Mercury will be in the heart of the sun when they are both at zero degrees of Libra on the 23rd of September. And any time a planet conjuncts the sun, it is said to be in a very favored condition. It has access to the sun's wisdom in a way that is only made possible by getting that close. It's a very, very brief window when, in this case, Mercury can receive new insights and breakthroughs. It has the ear of the sun and it is getting all of this information. And it is kind of this moment during the retrograde where things begin to shift. 
And if you wanted to do something while Mercury was retrograde and not worry about the kind of flubs and mix-ups and mix miscommunications and all that kind of stuff, if you really planned it around the Kazemi, there's probably success somewhere in there. Now, Mercury will also conjunct the sun when it's not retrograde, and that marks a different part of the cycle that Mercury and the sun are going on together every year. But when Mercury is retrograde and it meets up with the sun, it marks the halfway point of the retrograde cycle. So we're not out of the woods yet, but we are halfway through and we can begin to move towards the clearing. Things cannot be fully resolved from the retrograde yet uh, until the retrograde is over and probably until the shadow period is over. But again, we're halfway through. And so this is really when we can start to shift our thinking. The specific stories and lessons and themes that this Mercury retrograde is bringing are starting to become clear. They are start, we're, we can start to see their purpose, their bigger purpose. We can begin to untangle any messes that have been made and come to terms feels too heavy, but like come to terms with what story is being told for this retrograde. And we still have a couple of chapters, but we're halfway. And so I do want to talk about the Two of Swords because I do feel like it is almost too perfect for a Mercury Kazemi. If you know the Two of Swords, the let's say the quote-unquote traditional depiction in the Smith-Waite, you'll know that there's a figure typically sitting down, blindfolded, with two swords, and they are sort of crossing them over their chest. So each sword is facing a different direction than like the arm that they're in. And to me, this is like the moment in time when we can pause, quiet the outside noise, and really listen into that inner voice. And the figure itself could be Mercury paused in this moment in time where all it needs to hear or quote unquote see is the sun. And I say quote unquote see because the figure is blindfolded. And so the focus really is driven inwards. And the mind is free from the external distraction in order to gain that better clarity. It is really a time of kind of like heightened peak focus. Something's coming through and we need to kind of just zone into that to get the messages. The day of a Mercury Kazemi is a great day to have a notebook or like the notes app on your phone open and ready to go because it can be very mentally stimulating and like a lot of things coming in and not all of them will be like not all of those ideas will be useful moving forward but they might help us to get somewhere collectively so writing things down is like very key on a mercury kazemi now i did mention that on the same day mercury will move back into virgo as it's still in its retrograde phase and i just want to talk about that really briefly because I just love this journey for Mercury, honestly, because it's hitting the Kazemi. It's hitting this point of clarity. We're at the halfway point of the retrograde. And then Mercury gets to move back into not only its home sign, but its sign of exaltation. So Mercury does fabulous things here, regardless of the retrograde. And I don't want you to get it twisted. It's still retrograde, but 
it's a pretty best case scenario, in my opinion. Like Mercury is peak Mercury in Virgo. It's great at streamlining and organizing and scheduling and finding routines and finding rhythms, uh, understanding how things are working. And the fact that it's moving back in during the retrograde kind of feels like a second chance type energy, like a second chance to address certain situations that never really got wrapped up. And I kind of feel like hitting the Kazemi first might just give us the fresh perspective, that shift in thinking that we need to really take advantage of this second chance. So I'm super pumped to see what the Kazemi brings and then how that shifts thinking from stuff that we were, um, you'll want to think back to around like August 20th until about August 25th or 26th, I think it was, because that's when Mercury first hit the shadow phase and it was traversing through the area of Virgo that it is about to retread. So that's like where, that's the area of life, that's the situations, that's the conversations that are getting that second chance energy. So that's super exciting. Very much looking forward to that. And then the final thing I want to talk about on this episode, more Libra juiciness. It is the new moon in Libra happening on September 25th at two degrees. Now, as with all new moons, this is a new beginning, a fresh start. I love that it is coming so close off the heels of the Mercury Kazemi in that sign and also the beginning of Libra season and the fall equinox. I think that this new moon just gets like a supercharge for making meaningful new beginnings. There's so many things pointing towards new beginnings and this new moon just gets to like kind of feed on all of this energy. So I think the seeds of intention that we plant at this new moon really have a powerful potential for both the lunation cycle ahead. So for like the next month until the next new moon but also the next three-month chapter, so until the winter solstice. And because it's a new moon in Libra, it will highlight themes like compromise, negotiation, making peace. It could be a social new moon, that kind of thing. And actually, I should say, so, you know, Venus will be ruling this new moon. Of course, it's happening in Libra, so that makes Venus the ruler of the lunation. And Venus is in a very close conjunction with Mercury retrograde in Virgo. Uh, That'll happen, like Mercury and Venus will meet up on the 26th, so just the day after and probably not even 24 hours apart. So there's something really about the idea of like conversations and connection being highlighted here, you know, coming together to solve a problem that being in connection, being in community is kind of how we make it through. And that's, of course, not always the case. But I think that this new moon being in Libra and then having the ruler be so close to Mercury, it just feels like it's built for collaborating and being in community. And there's like an extra emphasis on discussion and dialogue being very helpful or encouraged to help us out with whatever might be in our way or on our minds or 
whatever things, things like that. But, and it doesn't mean that we all of a sudden have to be super social. It could just be that you need a conversation with one trusted person or your, you know, innermost circle. But just this idea that connection and communication will be a pathway for taking, I do hate, I do hate to say taking advantage of the moon because like none of us should be taking advantage of any planet, but like embracing the energy that is being offered. Also on the 26th, the moon or sorry, the sun will make an exact opposition with Jupiter over in Aries. So the sun in Libra, Jupiter in Aries, but that's happening at three degrees and this new moon is taking place at two degrees. So it's all very close. And even though uh, I might have talked about an opposition at some point and expressed that it is a more difficult aspect. And typically it is because in an opposition, we find things at odds with one another, right? Like Aries and Libra in this case, they are at the opposite ends of the chart. They are polar opposite signs. But as we know with opposites, there's always something. Opposites attract, right? There's always something in the center. But when we also put on top of that the fact that the opposition is happening with Jupiter, which is a benefic planet, a planet of abundance, ease, luck, there it brings an element of luck and kind of a bold quality to the mix because Jupiter is in Aries right now, which is a very bold sign. So here's even more potential for a really big new beginning a bold new beginning, something that feels really meaningful and maybe a little bit more risky than we're used to, but it's the kind of risk that pays off. It's the kind of risk that pushes us far enough outside our comfort zone that we're really able to experience some kind of important growth. We're taking some kind of bold leap into a new chapter and it's really exciting and we can feel really optimistic about it. We've got the benefics working together, like Venus ruling over the lunation and Jupiter being in that opposition spot. There's a lot of benefic energy here. It's kind of, it's really exciting. And of course, uh, something I haven't mentioned yet is with all this Libra energy, we definitely want to look to the house that Libra rules in our chart and the topics that are in that or the topics and relationships that are within that house, because I think that really gives us a clue towards, you know, the areas of life that we might be taking this bold new leap forward and or making this new fresh start, finding these fresh insights, having this shift in thinking, all that kind of thing. So take a look at where Libra is. During Libra season, this is the time when you get to really explore and sink into that house and figure out you know, what it means for you to be in Libra season to you and your specific chart. And I think that's going to do it for this episode. I would love to hear if you're willing to share where Libra is in your chart, what you think Libra season is about to bring for you, how you're going to celebrate this new moon. And I'd love to have you check in about Virgo season. How was that for you? What did you get organized? What did you figure out needed streamlining? What were the what were the problems that you solved along the way and all the good stuff? I do love Virgo season. It's a great season, but you know, I'm looking forward to Libra season. I guess it's, it is one season away from Scorpio season, the best season of the year, hands down, no contest. But anyways, I will be back for more when the planets say so. 
and I will see you then. And I will thank you for listening today. You can check me out on Instagram at damnfinewitch. And until next time, I will catch you in the cosmos.